When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and you know I, I recommend these people. I recommend they, their professionals to my patients and to my family members have used them, and I've been very impressed with the level of service they provide. They'll assess your needs. They'll match you with your own licensed therapist, start communicating in under 48 hours, and there's a broad range of expertise available, and it's all available worldwide. You can log into your account anytime, send a message to your counselor, and you will get timely, thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So you, you never have the problems. Look, we've all been home through COVID and we've gotten used to using Zoom. Why not use that for our professional services? You don't have to sit in a waiting room. You have to go anywhere. You don't have any uncomfortable running into anybody. Just better help. They're committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. They make it easy to change if needed. More affordable and traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. In fact, so many people have been using better help that they are recruiting additional professionals in all 50 states. Our podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and our listeners get a 10% discount off their first month of online therapy at BetterHelp.com slash Drew. That is Better, H-E-L-P dot com slash Drew. And join the over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced BetterHelp professional. everyone dr podcast blah blah thank you as always and uh, do check out dr.tv for the streaming shows uh our buddy navarro finally made it in there we'll check that out and many other interesting trisha paytas gary stopped by and uh that uh you know <laughs> always craves for a lot of fun not so much from trisha anymore because she's in treatment and doing a lot a lot better but it's that world that has swirled around her that is out of control uh so check that out uh also uh, instagram dr pinsky twitter at dr drew Etc. We appreciate it. And, and if those of you who are listening to this show do not listen to the Adam and Dr. Drew show, um, just, you know, if you want to hear a little hot love boat talk, please uh, do join us there. Julian Hamilton, the Podcast One podcast uh, available anywhere you get your podcast. Cheating When Love Lies. Interesting topic. You can follow Julian at JillianHamilton.online. Uh, Julian is the creator and host, and she is looking at this topic that is. Actually, a very complicated topic. So I'm glad you're doing it, Jillian. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Yeah, complicated, raw, taboo, all the things that you know people don't want to talk about. Yeah, and so I'm guessing how how what got you into this topic? Number one, and what have mm-hmm. you learned so far? And and then when after that half hour is done, we can talk about other <laughs> things. <laughs> um, what got me into it was Corona. You know, we were all homebound, and I started writing stories about affairs. Um, I've always wanted to write and I just sat there with nothing to do and started writing these short stories about trysts affairs. And little- had you, let me, I'm, you know, it's me. God, I, I know what you're going to ask me next. And is it any <laughs> personal experience in there yes. or is that why you were thinking about it? Or yes. There's personal around ex- people. Go mm-hmm. ahead. There's personal experience growing up as a child. I had experienced mm-hmm. it in my family home as an adult. I've experienced it in relationships. And once mm-hmm. I was willing to talk about it, I found that people were coming out of the woodwork like, oh, this happened to me or this happened to my mom or this happened to my sister, my brother. So I realized how common cheating and affairs were, whether they were they physical or emotional. So I started writing these short stories. People liked them. They said, oh, write another one, write another one. And then I went into the studio to record them. And people said, oh, send me another story, send me another story. And before you knew it, here I was. I was like, this is kind of a podcast, you know. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you get lots of interesting calls and stuff. Do you take calls? I don't take calls yet. I just started about three, four weeks ago. So, oh, you're going to learn so much. Um, let's talk about the difference between physical and emotional cheating, and yes. the difference in how males and females respond to those two topics. Yes, the difference between physical cheating and emotional cheating is just what it sounds like. Emotional cheating has really proliferated because we have this online space. Mm -hmm. So actually, people feel a greater sense of familiarity and closeness 
online often than they do in person. In Hmm. person, you got to have date number one, and then it might be three weeks before you have date number two. It's hard to get together. But when you're online, you have constant access to this person. Hmm. So everything from good morning, sugar, to night, night, and everything in between, you're with this person all day long. And it gives you this sense of really knowing their lifestyle, how they spend their time, you might get, you know, reactions on things that happen to them throughout the day. So emotional cheating can really be very powerful and very common because we all have the device right there with us. How, how do you differentiate between emotional cheating and just a friendship? Emotional cheating has to have a secretive component to it. This mm. is something that your partner, your spouse doesn't know about. It's something you're hiding and it's more than likely giving you a great sense of thrill. You know, you're mm. looking forward to hearing from this person. I, When I first started this, I started talking to everybody. I mean, anyone I'd meet, I'd say, oh, so have you ever cheated? Do you know anyone who cheated? And I met this random stranger. And he, I told him about the podcast. And he said, oh, I have to tell you, I've been having an affair. I said, really? Would you like to talk about it? And he said, yes. I send music back and forth with this woman every night, and my wife has no idea. Mm. And by the time I get up from this table, it was dinner time, I'm going to be running back to my car to see what music she sent to me. And I live for it every single day. That's an emotional affair. I mean, he didn't tell his wife, and he was so attached to her. Yeah, it's wild. And and it it is, it's like a friendship that's serving some need, Mm -hmm. right? So it goes a little further than friendship. Mm -hmm. Did, Did... do you, are you exploring what people need to do to l- look at or solve whatever that need might be in the primary relationship? In I, other words, there's some deficiency that's yes. getting met, right? Yes. In the emotional affair, yeah. I don't do any problem solving. On the podcast, especially because it is about cheating and affairs, I am completely non-judgmental. I'm mm-hmm. here to ask questions, learn about why people cheat, learn why people have affairs, and have a conversation with them about it. Um, what is that deficiency commonly is, or is it just as, as variable as relationships are variable? So typically women cheat to stay – excuse me. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Women – men cheat to stay and women cheat to leave. So hmm. men – yes. So men are cheating because they want this other thing, the thrill, the sex, the excitement, the validation that they may not be getting at home – but they don't want to lose their patriarchal role within the family. I don't want to abandon my kids. I don't want to abandon my wife. I need to keep the foundation together, but I also need this thrill in order to stay as the patriarch within the foundation. But that doesn't have to be patriarchal. It would just be a way of sustaining any mutual relationship, right? Like there's a deficiency. Yeah. Uh, I feel unsafe or whatever. Or I have some need that's unmet. I've tried. And then I go over here and, and it lets me. It doesn't hurt anybody. It doesn't do it. Let's say it's just the emotional one again. Right. doesn't hurt anything. He can, he can convince himself it's uh, A-OK and it's, it's helping my relationship. I can see people convincing them of, yes. of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Men will say yeah. this is helping my relationship because without this – other person without this lover, I just don't think I could handle the pressures that I have of keeping my family together. And it's interesting that you say, you know, it's emotional, it's not hurting anyone. But really, studies show that the emotional fair can be highly detrimental and even yeah. more hurtful than the physical one. C- correct. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. And, and and then women, men, though, the re- one of the reasons men can convince themselves of that is they certainly don't want their spouse engaged in an emotional affair. They'd feel bad about it. Yeah. But at the moment that which the uh, planes are being crossed, so to speak, yeah. that's when men are just out of our brains. That's that's where murderous rage enters right. into the picture. And and there's you know our evolutionary heritage is such that you know that in order to um, maintain certainty of paternity. Mm. You had to stand guard over the openings because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that was the, there was no test throughout <laughs> yes. emotional. Through, that, that's how other animals do it. That's yeah. how other mammals do it. Huh. That's just how mammals do it. Mm-hmm. They they don't have a, any other way of being certain that they're going to invest all their resources and moving their genes forward, except by being certain that they were the only. Hmm. 
individual that was engaged sexually with that uh, receptive partner. Yes. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm not saying it's good or bad because we, we have lots of bad things in us from our evolutionary heritage yeah. that we should acknowledge and then deal with in right. a positive way. And evolve from uh, mm-hmm. But this may be one of those things. Mm-hmm. And then to the latter part of your question about, you know, women, you know, women typically cheat to leave. This relationship, and I'm talking about heterosexual relationships at this point, women are saying, this is my ticket out. You know, I'm tired of dealing with this asshole at home. And if I can just find my ticket out, then I'm going to have this affair and it can take me out of a really painful or hurtful marriage or partnership. Is it is it necessarily leaving or is it just being out, you know, being having some life outside of it because you're caught in it or something? Leaving, you know, you know what I mean. They're going to yeah, leave. leaving. And, and is it Being is out. it would it be accurate to say it's sort of a bullpen? Yes. Like I'm building. Like I'm getting. How's your? How's your? They call into the bullpen yes. when it's time to leave. How's your arm? You yeah. Warm it up. You warm, <laughs> yeah. It warms it up adequately. You good? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and and I guess men do that also, right? Yes. And I'm saying yeah. I'm speaking in broad terms. Yeah. Yeah. Not of course. No. No. We're trying terms. to understand right. gen- generalities. Absolutely. Yeah. Generalities. But, yes. But but. Men will leave, but men usually when they want to leave, they leave. <laughs> they don't yeah. need. They, they may build a bullpen before they leave, but they don't do anything with the bullpen. I would guess before yeah. they leave. I had one friend say to me, you know, he's a good friend, known him for thirty years. He's a guy, you know, in his fifties, and he's like, Jillian, it's very simple. Some guys can, and some guys can't, and that was his response to. Why do some guys leave? And he's just like, it's just a thing. Some guys have the emotional constitution to go through with it. And some are just too tied to, you know, a typically American foundational family experience where you stick it out, regardless of how harmful or unfulfilling the relationship may be. Uh, and it, let's be fair. That's not, strictly speaking, an American thing. That is, uh, you know, well, goes <laughs> yeah, And I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you're probably more knowledgeable. I'm speaking, you know, these are American people I was yeah. talking to. Yeah. But I can imagine that there is some sort of global crossover with that idea. Yes. And and I'm guessing, so the, so the one thing that I see all the time clinically, and of course, on Love Land all the time, was, you know, uh, when we have bad pickers, so to speak, we keep repeating the same traumas oh, over. God, and if yeah. we had... Like you said, you had a family system where there were affairs yeah. magically are attracted to people that engage in affairs also magically. Yeah. Yeah. That, why yeah. is it always I picked the wrong guy? <laughs> I was sure it wasn't one of those guys again. Magically, it's the same thing again. And, and you know, Dr. Freud called this repetition compulsion. Mm. We now know it's more of a biological phenomenon than when things are oh, really? traumatizing in childhood. When we don't like it in childhood. It creates attraction to people and circumstances hmm. that oblige us by repeating the trauma. Oh my gosh! Okay, that makes that's sense. That's just a that's just a fact. That's mm-hmm. just how we're wired. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm guessing you talk to lots of people that repeat things. You know, can, all men are fill in the blank because they keep getting attracted to right. those guys. Yes. So they just recite their experience. You're totally right. right. Like if you're the kind of person that tends to fall into these relationships, it's going to happen repeatedly. I just had this young, this kid was 26 years old because I have two different types of episodes. The episodes where I read the short story about affairs and then I have a roundtable discussion about it. So it's kind of like mm. book club. Three mm-hmm. diverse people from three different backgrounds. We talk about the story. And mm. so on this episode, I had this 26-year-old kid, you know, I'm a lot older than he is. And he said, you know, Jillian, I've been cheated on seven different times. I was like, you're only 26 and you've been cheated on in seven relationships, seven times. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking it's probably consistent with what you're saying. Oh, it's him. It's yeah. not them. It's him. Yeah. He, he is picking a certain kind of person. Yes. Or there's, there's another corollary to this, particularly hmm. with younger people, hmm. which is they engage in certain kinds of uh, interpersonal relating that kind of pushes people away. Oh. Uh, and, and they miss signs and things like that. Really? Like, okay. Like over clinginess and over, you know, bad boundaries or not paying attention. There's, there's all kinds of stuff that can go on interpersonally can, that can people can find somewhat distasteful over time. Mm-hmm. Not everybody, again, right. not everybody, but, right. you know, you're, you're picking that person that finds it such. Um, and then men particularly miss signs or at least don't know how to adjust. We're oh. really bad at uh, – you know, it's like like you're saying. Most of the women that have affairs have affairs to leave. Mm-hmm. They have 
always, the female partner has always told their male partner for at least 24 months mm. that they're not happy. They're yeah, not happy. Here's right. what I need. Yes. And men are like, yeah, yeah, you're fine. You're fine. Right, you're fine. Yeah. And then she leaves. And they go, I don't understand what happened. Right. What yeah. happened here? What happened? Why didn't you tell me? <laughs> I didn't know. Right. And of course, she and she goes, I've been telling her for two years. Exactly. What, what is he talking about? Right? Isn't that what typically happens? Yeah, t- definitely. And not only articulated verbally, but through your actions. You know, suddenly yeah. the person's less present or you're not having sex. I mean, that's the you asked me what I learned. One of the biggest things I've learned is that's the big red flag. Like, nah, nah, nah. If you're not having sex, there's a problem. And if you're not having sex, it's more than likely that the person, even if they're not engaging in intercourse, that they're having sexual fantasies about someone else, that there's some sort of like physical, sexual eroticism that's happening outside of your partnership. And I would argue that if that that's a very common thing and I agree with you mm. but that if you're not having sex uh, eventually somebody will have sex with, yeah, with exactly. your partner or with, you're with somebody else whatever yeah. Yeah, so, so there's both causational from the standpoint that it's a sign of yes. and also causational in the sense that you're on your way to <laughs> 100% 100% yeah yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's crazy uh, and it, 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 I'm, I'm guessing there's lots <sighs> of pain involved in what you're hearing about Yes, there's lots yeah. of pain, but also, Drew, there's lots of humor. I mean, oh, of course, people oh my, are great. People yeah, are so funny. People are so moments. funny. <laughs> so I was saying that I have this one type of episode where I read the short story about affairs, and then there's the roundtable discussion with people that talk about it. My other type of show is a one-on-one interview, just like what we're doing now. And I remember, I you know, all these episodes in the can. I'm like, what do I do first? What do I do first? Episode one is this guy who's like in his 50s and he and his father were just rampant cheaters and he has no sort of hesitation of talking about it. I hate to like be a spoiler, but he even has an an episode on his honeymoon and feels totally justified about it. I'm like, what? You like did something on your honeymoon with the massage therapist and then you go back to your honeymoon suite and what do you say? He's like, it's fine. It's no big deal. So because this had happened 20 years ago, he sees it with a different eye. You know, you're able to get away from the pain and see unbelievably some of the humor and look at it with a sense of lightheartedness because it feels so distant to the person. And although he was the cheater, his wife um, had substance abuse issues And so it was very painful for him, and I'm not justifying what he did, but he validated his cheating experience because he was in such a painful uh, situation at home. He sounds like somebody's had a little bit of treatment of some type. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what happens when people get treatment. They can look at their pathological behavior and laugh at it. Mm. That's a pretty common thing. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and so, you know, they're, they're, they, they understand that it's painful. They understand that it's pathological. But it's like, can you imagine? I'm going to yeah. look at my behavior. And it's in but, his rear, but rear it, mirror. But it does uh, bring up the interesting phenomenon of, of types of cheating in the sense that mm. um, there are definitely, you know, some, some extreme circumstances psychopathologically that mm-hmm. set up cheating. Mm-hmm. For, for instance, you know, narcissists and, and sociopaths. They, that's that's what you kind of describe there. Somebody who just doesn't care and just will do it because hey, it's me. Mm-hmm. But then within that, there's also sex addicts, uh, and it, he sounds a little bit more on that end uh, with with some overlay of narcissism <laughs> stuff too. And and these things can, when they're treated, like like I said, he sounds like he had some treatment. The the behaviors settle down. They 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 can they usually stop. In fact, if somebody's properly treated. Well, he's funny because he said, "Yeah, I don't do this anymore." And I said, "Well, why do you think you've changed?" He's like, "Well, I'm pushing sixty. I can't. <laughs> you know, he's like, I just can't perform like I used to." And so in his can't, mind, he can't. Sorry. And, and I, I wonder. I, I would ask him pointedly about uh, you know how he doesn't get attracted to other addicts and alcoholics. I think he might be too, by the way. There's sort of an addict quality to all this. Mm. Uh, and, and whether he's had any recovery and whether he's had any treatment. And and that's usually the case because people that engage in these behaviors are so destructive. Oh, my God. They bring just destruction yes. down yeah. on everybody. Yeah. And they feel lots of guilt and shame about it when they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you know, again, unless they're completely psychopathic and mm-hmm. they don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that does happen too. Yeah, there's a uh, lot of guilt and shame. Go ahead. No, there's a lot of guilt and shame. 
yeah. when you get caught. But as long as you're doing it and not getting caught, you're living in a thrill, you're living in a fantasy, and you just feel like you're going to get away with it. I, I'm not sure that's true because it, it's so close to drug addiction that, you know, mm. of course they keep using and they don't worry about it when they're using, but they have deep guilt and shame. It's just not on the surface oh, until they get caught. Oh, it's internalized. Okay. Uh, and, and they often – and they often, you know, are able to connect the dots to the person they hated in their childhood who was engaged in the same behavior. Oh wow! Uh, okay, yeah, that's often sort of there, and that's one of the reasons that it fuels the the guilt and shame. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, it's just it's just you know we're very very predictable as human beings. It's just like you know any other primate system. You can you can just look at it. it's we're complicated. There's a lot of really? variations on the scene. We're complicated socially, mm-hmm. but we're you know we're vi- you can easily sort of understand what we're up to. Um, if you if you study it deeply, you're gonna you're gonna get exposed to all of this. Yeah, and it's and, and it it and I'm not saying that everyone who's treated is psychopathological. I'm not saying that. I'm sure. talking about this kind of pattern you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Where it's extreme. Mm-hmm. That then you know you've got something on your hands. In terms of the fact that something like is it as high as fifty percent of people cheat? Is that about the number? Yeah. In yes. marriages. Yes. Right. Even and so more. We're, and it's because well, that number it's difficult because. How do you define cheating? So it's really hard. I, I, I'm skeptical about the numbers in that regard because I think it's too, too low or too high. I think it's too low. Yeah, because emotional cheating. If you emotion, throw that in there, it gets if a you higher, throw right? that in there, you know the story that I gave you earlier. The guy with the song is he cheating? I, let's talk a little deeper about that. Yeah, because because I I don't know. <laughs> I, it's what? almost like has has anybody who's been married for a long period yeah. of time. Uh-huh. Huh? Had, had had a friendship where they think uh-huh. themselves. Oh, I don't huh. think my life. My like my husband would like this. But you've got to feel that. Yes. And yet you kind of file it under. Oh well, you know. And, and that's got to be close to everybody. Well, right? that's my point, and I think yeah. that's why. I think that's why I have you know quite a few guests and betrayed partners and cheaters willing to speak because they're saying. It's just so prevalent. I see it in my office. I see it, you know, when people are going to the office and definitely online. I mean, there are entire communities of people sharing information, you know, share whether it's um, on a personal level, a business level. You have so much access to other people and you but, don't. But I'm, start, I'm starting to wonder if it's not maybe good mm. in, in the sense that people need friendships and they need relationships outside of their primary relationship. They just can't. They have to hold a very careful boundary with it. Exactly. And I'm not sure people are used to doing that or understanding where the boundaries need to be. Exactly. Because it only takes one of the two people to give a little, you know, sexy comment, you know, hey, you look really hot on the Zoom or whatever it could be. And then suddenly the relationship has turned the corner. You know, yeah, you're in. Right. You're in. Do you go back and tell your wife, hey, the guy that I was talking, you know, Zooming with told me how hot I looked. No, you're going to hide it. And suddenly then you hide the next thing that she says or he says. And suddenly you have this whole sort of like secret relationship going on and it becomes a slippery, slippery slope. It is a slippery slope. Do you, do you have advice for people that are in that kind of slippery place and how to keep it in a, a healthier place where it is really just a friendship that's kind of intimate and, and doesn't diminish your primary relationship? No. Is there a way to hold <laughs> that boundary or do, have, or do you have to go cold turkey? I don't have advice and I don't give advice because, you know, I would send them to you because, you know, you have the expertise to know. I'm not really positioned to tell someone, you know, who'd be in that vulnerable position, give them advice about their relationship. I mean, that's a very hefty load to carry. Um, I'm really there to ask questions. Yeah, I get it. And and okay. that's an important function. I, I totally understand. And mm-hmm. that's a boundary. And that's good that you're maintaining that boundary. Mm-hmm. From from my perspective, I think what I would tell people is get it, take a good look at your primary relationship and mm-hmm. understand why you have emotional needs and whether you can get those emotional needs met from your spouse or your partner. And if you can't, you know, why is that? And what do you want to do with that? And is it is can it be you know a lot of things can't be treated right they just mm-hmm. can't that's just the nature of the two people involved and then if you feel that you have to have a friendship outside man you got to <laughs> you got to make sure that if that friendship gets into the sexual territory you you can't let it keep going there you got to pull it back you have to but what otherwise do you do? you're done 
what do you do when (laughs) you're gonna go you're gonna go that way but what do you do when it feels good you know it's nice to have someone complimenting that's the point you can't you can't indulge yourself if you want to sustain that primary relationship Mm -hmm. if you start indulging yourself yeah in the literature is very clear on this you you diminish the uh, the primary intimacy Mm. by engaging in intimacies elsewhere it it has repercussions it just Mm -hmm. does Mm -hmm. and if you really you know we we all stand up at the altar and make these lofty commitments if you really want to live up to those commitments you have to hold the barrier, hold the line somewhere, because it 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 will continue to have effects. And uh, and if it's stuff and, you have to come clean about, I yeah, mean, you have you don't know. It's very scary. The, your partner may feel betrayed and not be able to trust you ever again. Exactly. Or the partner may be able to rebuild that trust over time and forgive you, but. It's it's scary territory of the unknown. Yes, right? and if the primary relationship is damaged or mm. is in a problematic state, you know the person's not going to be apt to want to talk to their partner. Right, the the, the relationship's already broken. So yes. now, do I walk and say, "Oh, let me tell you about this wonderful guy that I go have smoothies with after yoga practice, and how he thinks yeah. I'm hot"? Yeah. You know, you're yeah. just not the relationship can't sustain that type of honesty. And also, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Uh, if you haven't had your sort of attraction systems addressed, meaning your traumas, yeah, um, you're going to get attracted to something problematic yep. as well. I mean, oh, so I so jumping ship. Do you have stories about people who do go ahead with these relationships and leave their primary relationship, and yes. lo and behold, it's the same thing all over again? Yes, I have stories. A guy, he you know, married, has kids. And his mistress lived around the corner and he got caught and ended up leaving the wife and kids and literally, literally moved around the corner with the new family. And how'd that work out? Um, Very contentious, you know, very hostile, very contentious. You know, the primary wife, you know, the first wife is devastated. You know, how do you get past that? And you feel like it's happening in my own backyard. I probably saw this woman walking the dog. And I I do also want to acknowledge that the, the rate at which women cheat has really grown and progressed. Women Mm -hmm. cheat. I think that we tend to think the men are cheating. The men, you know, particularly in the heterosexual community, the Mm -hmm. men are bad. They have a middle age crisis. They're cheating. The women are cheating. They're in the workplace. We're working. We're out there. We have access to men. You know, women have desires. Women's sexuality has been, you know, awakened, you know, in these past several decades. And women do cheat. And I think you were saying, and it is the case that men, some men cheat because they can, and they feel like yeah. they can get, get away with it. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing that category has increased amongst women as well. Yes. I can do it. I have a job. I have yeah. the access. Access is a big, big component in cheating. If you have the time and the access to get to someone else and they show interest in you, the door has just opened wide, wide open. That's interesting. Do you have any specific stories about that? Um, you know, online, the emotional affairs, I, I was, I was talking to a woman whose husband was divorcing her. He had had an affair. He had this mistress and he would buy her the bags and the shoes and the trips and the, you know, was spoiled this mistress. She found out, um, she was devastated. And I said to her, you know, I understand what happened with your husband, Have but have you ever done anything, maybe not as egregious, maybe not as expansive as buying gifts and trips, but have you done anything? And she went on to tell me the story about how she met this guy in a plane and he was really hot and sexy. And as I'm listening to her, I'm thinking, I know exactly where this is going. Long story short, she ends up like exchanging numbers with the guy. They start having secret email communications. And I'm like, did you tell your husband? Well, no, it wasn't a big deal. And I'm thinking, it was a big deal. I mean, your husband may be at a much, much more extreme level, but you're still having a secret relationship that's fulfilling your sort of like erotic emotional fantasies, and you're not telling your husband. So are, are you not involved in an affair as well? She never answered the question. But I think that many would argue it was. It would be hurtful well, to the husband had he found out. It, right. And so that's sort of the threshold, right? Is that yes. it would be your, your spouse wouldn't like it. It would be hurtful to the spouse. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and yet I'm still not convinced that, that that threshold, if you can pull back from it, it's still not okay to have something whatever, you know, that, it, you, that you enjoy and it makes you feel good about yourself. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think 
as a partner, you sort of want your partner to have that as long as you could trust that they could hold the boundary. But it's playing with with fire, right? It's playing with fire. You know, I was just editing an interview that I did with some polyamorists, you know, polyamory being consensual, multiple relationships. So I'm married to you and then we have a lover, but then maybe I also have another lover. You know, it's very complex series of emotional, physical relationships. And, you know, they were talking about how being open, honest and consensual made the difference, you know. And how young people, our young people today, are more willing to have these kinds of relationships. Talk to those people in 10 years. I I promise you. I promise you it will be a catastrophe. There are armies of people, professionals, just trying to get two people to have a healthy relationship. (laughs) You bring in three, it doesn't get twice as complicated. It gets cubed as complicated. And then you're doing more. It inevitably – Unpredictable emotions develop and chaos ensues, without exception. It just is. Now, people want to stay with that. That's on them. It's fine with me. But but I'm telling you, the amount of people need simple lives. That's one thing that's an absolute truism in Mm. psychology. Mm -hmm. People need simple lives. When you add complexity, you end up in pain and all kinds of other stuff. That's where all the addictions come in and everything else uh, as you try to manage that pain. Well, one of the things that the male polyamorous said was he said I like exactly what you're saying Drew I like that I have incredibly high highs the ecstasy of like seeing my wife with other men and my girlfriend you know so complex I love the ecstasy but Mm -hmm. I also really value the lowest low and how I can go from feeling so upset maybe one time my lover is with her husband and it really upsets me and I see them being together and it's so low and I feel so awful but the next night I can be with her and another guy and it brings me to this high so it's like living off of these extremes and you ever got, talk to a, you ever talk to a drug addict well ex- well yeah <laughs> that's yes. that's what they talk like that's so what they talk about it's and it's where it goes it, mm-hmm. it pro- and it, these things progress they don't remain stable mm-hmm. they progress and that's the part that everybody misses. And then all their rhetoric is all just so much nonsense. Like, yeah, do, do whatever you want. You don't have to justify it to anybody. Do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But if you want to talk to people that have worked with people that have, who, who over time see what happens with all this, we're happy to help. In the meantime, do what you want. Well, one thing I did observe was in that particular interview that one partner had increasingly deep and hardened, I shouldn't say hardened, but very, very deep emotional feelings for the other that, in my opinion, the other didn't share. So that's There's all kinds of stuff like that that happens. Mm -hmm. All kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. And some people, because they have that boundary issue with, uh, it's kind of a codependency, they will take that partner on on any terms, no matter how abusive or problematic or painful the behaviors, they'll take them on any terms. Mm Mm-hmm. I a lot of abandonment that. stuff going on in folks like that. A lot of abandonment. You got to ask, you know, your family of origin. What, what happened there? Anyway, you know, the, our wiring gets set up in childhood, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's we end up spending much of our life uh, managing that wiring in our interpersonal lives. That's where the real. That's where it always comes to bear is in our relationship with other humans. Uh, talk about the gay community a little bit. Any any insights there? Have you seen anything? Because a different set of issues, and it can yes. be a little more. Um, it's more interesting. It's, well, not more interesting. It has interesting differences. Let's put it that way. Yes. So I am hoping to have much more, you know, data and experiences with the trans community, the gay community. Um, and as I said, the show just started. So we're you know, getting more of these types of guests and stories. But I did have a young gay gentleman on. This was the one I was talking about earlier, that he had been in seven relationships and had been cheated on seven times. And I said mm. to him, Okay, well, there's this stereotype that we hear about, you know, the gay community being much more sexually active and that there's more cheating. I said, is it a stereotype? Is it true? You know, how would you respond to that? And his point of view as a young gay male was, you know, his experience is that he feels like it's the same in the heterosexual community and the homosexual community. He's like, all my guy friends are cheating on all their girlfriends, just like I've been cheated on seven times. Thank you.
Well, you've heard me talk about this before, which is that insurance doesn't always cover the cost of an emergency medical flight. Even with comprehensive coverage, you can still get hit with a substantial deductible or copay. Protect your family and your finances with an Air MedCare Network membership. If an emergency arises, the expense of an air medical transport is completely covered when flown by an AMCN provider. Membership costs as little as $85 a year and covers your entire household every day, even when you're away from home. That's just pennies a day. We all know that the unexpected can happen. An AMCN membership is protection no family should be without. And for a limited time, as a Dr. Drew Podcast listener, you will get up to a $50 e-gift card when you join. Simply visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash Drew and use offer code Drew. Marie wasn't getting enough sleep. Every night she struggled with poor sleep and restless legs, but then she made a small change. One month later, everything was better. All because she started taking magnesium breakthrough by Bioptimizers, the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium. Marie left a five-star review saying, quote, I'd give this 100 stars if I could. Within one month of use, I went from daily struggles with restless legs, constipation, and poor sleep to no struggles with any of that. I know it sounds dramatic and far-fetched, but it's true. And Marie is not the only one getting better sleep after taking magnesium breakthrough. Amanda says, quote, I fall asleep much faster and stay asleep now until normal waking hours. You have a customer for life. And Cross says, quote, on the first night of taking magnesium breakthrough, my deep sleep jumped up to two hours, which has been the highest reading so far from my aura ring. Listen, if you're having trouble falling asleep or staying asleep, one of the best things you can possibly do is to start getting enough magnesium. But please do not run to the store to buy the first magnesium supplement you find. Most magnesium supplements use only the two cheapest synthetic forms. And since they're not full spectrum, they won't fix your magnesium deficiency or help you sleep better. There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium, and you must get all of them if you want to experience its calming, sleep-enhancing effects. That's why we recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Buy Optimizers. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed, and you'll be amazed how much better you sleep and how much more rested you feel when you wake up. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to magbreakthrough.com slash Drew. Use the code DrDrew10 to save 10% when you try Magnesium Breakthrough. And one more thing, for a limited time, Buy Optimizers is also giving away free bottles of their best-selling P3OM and Massozymes with select purchases. Amazing. So go to magbreakthrough.com slash Drew right now to get your exclusive 10% discount plus the chance to get more than $50 worth of supplements for free. Well, we all know the importance of eating healthy, but you don't always have time or access Organifi Superfood Blends makes it easy and enjoyable to add more variety and nutrition to your day. Delicious organic powders you can add to water, stir with a spoon, and enjoy any time for more better access to good nutrition if you are you know one of these people that doesn't have time to go to the store i mean this is a way to get that nutrition great way to jumpstart your morning energize your afternoon they've got amazing organic foods so check out organifi's line of superfood blends go to organifi.com slash dr drew that is o-r-g-a-n-i-f-i.com slash dr drew use code dr drew at checkout for 20 percent off your order this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. They can assess your needs. They can match you with your own licensed therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. Of course, this isn't a crisis line. It's not a self-help line. Professional counseling done securely online. They have a broad range of expertise, and the service is available worldwide. Log into your account anytime. Send a message to your counselor. You will get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly videos and none of the uncomfortable, yeah, even four phone sessions for that matter, but none of the uncomfortable waiting in a, in a waiting room or running into people. And again, we're also accustomed now to using Zoom. This is a great way to access services and take better care of ourselves. They are committed to better help to facilitating matches. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. It's free to change counselors if needed, and financial aid is available. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Our podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and our listeners get 10% off their first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com slash Drew. Visit BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Drew, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced BetterHelp counselor. Well, uh, talk to him as he gets older because all my gay patients and friends uh, struggle with the fact that there is um, the the openness of the gay community in terms of their sexuality 
makes it more difficult, they will tell you, mm. to have a sustained monogamous intimate relationship. Stand in front of the any bookstore on the section on uh, gay relationships mm-hmm. and all all you will see how to have a monogamous partner, how to have an intimate partner, how to have a relationship because it is a specifically challenging topic for for the community. Not that people don't do it. They do it all the time. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, and I think I've seen gay marriage to have contributed in a positive way to that because when somebody makes a commitment, they make a commitment. You know right. what I mean? They, Absolutely. Then, then even though there's, there's a slight difference in, in the social conduct, a commitment is a commitment and, and many men want to live up to that commitment, have that intimate partner and will acknowledge the same thing we're talking about here, that cheating diminishes the primary intimacy. Yes. It, it affects it. Well, what I definitely don't want to do on the show is fall into those stereotypes, you know, like that heterosexual men cheat more than women because they really don't. You know, the the statistics show it's like 50-50, you know, it's the same. Um, I don't know as much about the homosexual community, but I didn't want to fall into a stereotype of, oh, yeah, well, they're all sleeping with just, each other. Just, and, just look at the know. data. Okay. Just the data is the data. Okay. And the data can change over time. Right. You know what I mean? The data is the data. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I think – I'm just thinking about the, the, the male-female thing. I, I think um, that data has changed, as you pointed out, where the women are more likely to engage in, in uh, available uh, sexual contact the way men would. So that's sort of equalizing. Right. Um, I like how you say available. I think that there's a yeah. difference still in the sense that a few men act out a lot more than other men. And and I'm not sure there's the same thing amongst women so much. You know, you know what I mean? There's certain character profiles and sex addiction and stuff like that that's more common in men mm-hmm. that, that predisposes to that behavior. The, to more cheating. Yeah, the behavior. I mean, for instance, you know, narcissism and sociopathy, that's, a, that's male. Mm-hmm. Those are male, m- much more common in male, male population now. Right. Not that it won't change over time. Now. Sure. Uh, and 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 sex addiction too more more common. But women come into sex addiction through uh, relationship addiction. Men come into sex addiction through sex. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, that's uh, an interesting distinction. Yeah, yeah I totally yeah. support that. Yeah. Uh, not that there aren't straight sex addicted women, but right. they tend to be more Fewer. on the drug addict side of things. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. But you know, it's, these are very 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 common conditions. These are you know su- you know. Tens of millions of people have these conditions, uh-huh. so you're go- you're going to be talking to them wow. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, um, and uh, and you know they shouldn't be judged for it any more than I judge a drug addict when they're using. It's just right. a, it's a symptom complex. It's mm-hmm. just you know, it's, do you want to change it or don't you? Is my question always? Do you you cool with this for now, or do you want to do you want to change it? It's, it's working or not? But I will tell you that you know everyone that works in these fields will ultimately try to get people to be. Simpler. simpler, much like your sixty-year-old guy that had calmed down. Right. It's just you, you need you need a simpler life. To frankly, you know, by the way, in in you know, in all these behaviors, lots of medical issues and shortened lifespan and all that stuff starts to get into the issues as well. Yeah, I had one roundtable guest say that he was. You know, we were talking about this very complex. You know lover relationship and the guy had several mistresses and I should talk more about some of the women too that have their several lovers and he was like listen these people are way too complex exactly what you're saying Drew these people are too complex they need to just focus on their primary relationship work on the primary relationship and pull the primary relationship together and then they won't have all of these health issues and stress and high blood pressure and things that can contribute to you know, a, a disfavorable medical condition because you're so anxiety-ridden and having to hide. And and to be fair, it's not just anxiety. It's risk-taking that leads to injuries. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, infectious diseases. It's, oh, yeah. It's being so wound up in all this bullshit that you're not taking care of your medical needs or your physical health. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it just it starts to spiral in the wrong direction. And – the the even more common thing is you start to use substances to manage all this, and then the substances have their impact, and and it's literally shortened lifespan. I mean, if you want to live a longer life, keep it simple, everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's better for child rearing. It's much clearly better for child rearing. Kids that come up in these environments repeat the behaviors. Everybody, it's a gift that keeps on giving. Trauma results in repetition. And, yeah. Uh, it's just the way it is. And if you just hold your shit together until they're 18. <laughs> and then you go makes, crazy. At least until they're 12. <laughs> right. It makes a huge difference. Go crazy. Yeah. So, so uh, 
let's see. What else did I want to ch- chat about? I'm I'm interested in the LGBTQ et cetera yes. alphabet. Uh, uh, then what you get into there because uh, some of that is not. Um, well explored elsewhere. I, I, I have lots of questions for the trans community, and I don't As have a do lot I. of experience there. And As do I. Like, I'm in the same yeah, position. Yeah, like I don't understand, you know, preferences and you know how that works for the for for. for I just had dinner with Caitlyn Jenner last night, mm. and we're kind of developing a, a friendship. And I'm I'm tempted to ask her some of this stuff because it's she's very charming, very forthcoming, very smart. And um, I have a feeling one day we'll have those conversations. I know, but it to me. I guess sometimes I'm a little shy about it. I'm thinking, well, shouldn't I know this? You know, aren't I woke? Shouldn't I have the answers to these communities well, that are outside my own? But I have to just dive in, you know, two feet first because I really do want to know. And that's what, you know. Well, it's, it's what you got to realize. It's it's not as common, you know, we're not inter- interacting that way as commonly as we would like to be because uh-huh. these aren't super, super common phenomenon mm. uh, in that we're, you know, chatting with them as much as you'd be chatting with other populations. Uh, but I do urge everybody yes. to ask questions. You, ask you, know, you want to be an ally, right? You want to be an ally? How else can you be an ally except really understanding what they're, what they're dealing with and what other people's experiences are? And I'm that, truly curious. I mean, I really want to know. So it's being an ally. It's being curious. It's being understanding. It's understanding the world around us, you know? Hey, let me mention, uh, my daughter and I wrote a book that's mm-hmm. coming out right around now, oh, right? Okay. It will be right out now, Gary. It might uh, even be uh, available for, yeah, for a few called, weeks. Here. It's called "It Doesn't Have to Be Awkward," and we we're oh. designed it. Yeah, we designed it. These kinds of topics, uh, and my daughter's an excellent writer and did a great job with this. And she's way more woke than I am, which is why I needed somebody like her in with me. I'm I'm still you know burdened by my own upbringing and, and place in history and whatnot. Yeah, and I'm I'm well aware of it, and I want to do better. Uh, and and we need new language, by the way, for that. We use inflammatory yes. language, and right. it's just it's just a fact. And we mm-hmm. all it's our job to like, hey, be, pay, pay attention is all we're asking. Um, and it's called doesn't have to be awkward, but we really designed it for sort of uh, like fifteen to nineteen year olds and their parents to talk, be able to talk about these issues, the landscape for these issues, a, a way to talk about it. And as I'm thinking about talking to Caitlin. You know, I would apply those principles and talking to her, just like how can I be an ally? How can I understand better? How can I be less restricted by my own experience and my own upbringing and place right. in history and you know all that? That's that's you know I I I don't know how you feel about this. I, we're getting into tell something me. here I did not expect. But tell me, tell but, me. But 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 I I um, I've said this many times on the Adam and Drew show. But mm. Frederick Douglass really mm. really made the scales fall from my eyes reading his words. Mm. He's a, those of you who don't know, you must know. Mm-hmm. He's a great American from the post, pre and post Civil War era. Yes, uh, an African American former slave. Brilliant orator, like crazy. His orations mm-hmm. are sort of like they're they're poetry. They're biblical. They're unbelievable, and it made the scales fall from my eyes seeing his perspective. and And he used the word white white supremacy. He'd used that word really is essentially describing what we're talking about, which is not seeing other people's point of view. Yes. And I'm happy to use that term. Unfortunately, people bristle at that term because they, they, it means skinheads and means all kinds of crazy things. And so either we need to get over that. <laughs> or just, develop language that addresses what it is we're talking about. Or address right. what it is. Expanding yeah. the and, optics and, on how we view the population at large. You know, really it's just, it's just paying seeing attention, all people. Mm-hmm. It's all it is. Pay attention. It's all mm-hmm. you got to do. And care. You got to care. Mm-hmm. And maybe we need to do a little better on that. Yes. So. Yes. And I hope that on, you know, Cheating When Love Lies, people come away thinking that they've learned something, they've been helped, they feel less guilt and shame because you realize you're not alone. Oh, you know what? I kind of felt that way about this guy at my office. Or I had an emotional affair and I'm not the only one. Or, you know, I'm thinking about having an affair and I don't know what to do. What will the repercussions be? You hear these stories from people who share what happened to them. And you're right. Oftentimes, it it doesn't end so well. And and Jillian, I would argue that what you're doing is a public health message. And let me explain why. And we should have done this during COVID. And the fact that we didn't is absolutely breathtaking to me, which is that people learn from narratives about relatable people like the, like they're like me, yes, and and the consequences of their choices. When I go to medical, went to medical school, we learn from cases. Mm-hmm. It's experiential learning. Mm-hmm. Humans learn efficiently from cases. Mm-hmm. Number one, and number two, people don't adjust their behavior with information. 
We can learn all kinds. We, we learned this during the HIV and AIDS epidemic. We had everybody just juiced up on the information, right. and they still didn't change their behavior mm-hmm. until we did what you're doing. We like Loveline was that we we listened to little yes. pieces oh, and the I consequences. Yes. And somebody mm-hmm. explained it, and you're doing the same thing. And it's a topic that I think is is extremely relevant for now. And please do explore the the repercussions of their choices throughout their family systems and in whoever else are affected by their choices, because that will then help the people that are listening to accommodate their own decision making. And to be in a better position to make healthy choices, one way or the other, it's up yes. to them. Well, as you were but, saying at the beginning, you know, do I have listener call-ins and stuff? As we progress, I do know the ending to some of these stories I started with. Remember, I started this a year ago. So now people are having affairs or are involved in affairs. Now it's a year later. So I do know what happened. And in most cases, it doesn't end so well. It and doesn't so end so well. It doesn't yeah. end so, so well. Just tell not the always, stories. Not always, but more often than not, there is some sort of you know, negative consequence, whether it's for the couple or for the children or for the family or for... That's it, right. Yes. That's right. And and let people draw from those stories mm-hmm. uh, uh, information that they can adapt to their own decision-making and, and make their own choices. But, yes. But I, trust me, uh, it has a dramatic effect on people's behavior, uh, which is what, you know, what from a public health standpoint we want to do. Again, why we didn't do this when COVID, it just fucking blows my but mind. But I did. I started <laughs> in COVID. I just didn't get on the air till now. <laughs> you know. uh, no, but, no, but I mean, we, did, we, didn't, we should be telling stories yes. about people who didn't get a vaccine and just, just not, oh my God, they're terrible. It's like, hey, what happened when you didn't take the vaccine? Why yeah. did you make that choice? Yeah. And you didn't take it? Oh my God. And you didn't end up hurt, but oh my God, your husband ended up in the ICU. Ugh, doesn't seem like it was such a good choice, was it? <laughs> That's it. Don't pass judgment. And then people will draw their own conclusion. Yes. That's how you do it. In some of my stories, there sometimes there are favorable endings. You know, I got away from this woman. She was a horrible, wretched narcissist. Hate her. Got away from her. And now I'm happy and I have a new wife and children with somebody else. I mean, those stories exist as well. But you're totally right. I, and because I'm not like you, an expert or a psychologist, I just want to hear the story not judge you, not give you advice. We're just going to have a conversation about what happened to you. Well, I think it's great, and I thank you for doing it. And uh, I'm you. sure it will. There's endless material there. Oh, and it is. Yeah, it is the you know it is the source of most drama. Is these kinds of relationships yeah. where drama you know is the core issue in just about every drama you can ever uh, watch. So um, again, it is Jillian Hamilton J I L L I A N Hamilton dot online. Cheating when love lies available podcast one anywhere else you get your podcast. Jillian, thanks for spending a little time with me. Thank you so much. It was great. I had a great All time. Right. Good luck with the podcast. Thank See you. All later. See you all later. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D R D R E W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com.